0: Episode 60 of the Two on Three podcast, where two of your friends generally take on three topics in 30 minutes. You should follow us at Two on Three on Twitter, and you can send us email at holla, holla. at Two on Three Pod.com. You know how much we love to hear from you. I'm Chris, and you can find me suffering the hands of my dentist and tweeting at CD Villasenor. And with me is Ty. Where can we find you on the social media?
1: Well, I spend my time correcting you on the Twitter address of the actual show because it's at two on three pod, <laughs> but you can find me at seatjk. What did I say? Just two on three.
0: Oh, yeah. I you wish got, you got to put the pod on there. Sorry.
1: I wish somebody's I'm, not using that account.
0: I'm. <laughs> I'm gonna blame. I'm gonna blame my painkillers as I have indeed suffered through a tooth replacement surgery this week. So anything good? Uh, Anything good in terms of painkillers? Yeah, I got all the <laughs> best kind, dude. <laughs> and so, uh, and, you know, you throw some whiskey on top of that, and it's nothing but gold. Well, we're lucky
1: you're hosting, then.
0: Yeah. That's <laughs> we, we're just going to clatter down, the you know, bounce off the guardrails tonight as we go down a special pre-Oscar edition and focusing on the work of the great Richard E. Grant, who is the best supporting actor in Can You Forgive Me? And in doing so, we're going to do a deep dive on perhaps his greatest role. Definitely, in my uh, opinion, the only role I knew him from. (laughs) (laughs) That of Darwin Mayflower in the film Hudson Hawk. So we're going to do a Hudson Hawk deep dive. And for those of you who've never seen Hudson Hawk or haven't thought about it in a while, you should absolutely go watch it. It's readily available on the internet. You can rent it from Amazon.
1: I think you can watch it for free on YouTube if you really want to be like that.
0: (laughs) It might not be the best quality. It's yeah, or you could spend the three bucks and get it in HD, which is what I did. So I think that uh, you know it was uh, it was worth the three bucks for me. I have an and
1: Amazon addendum from last week. Really? Yeah. I go, so I also rented the movie because I started to watch it for free and I was like, this sucks. So, uh, but I found out that if you go to the Prime Video app, you can't buy directly through that interface. You have to buy on the website or via the TV app, and then only then can you watch it on mobile. I the mean, hell. They really don't care about this, do they? (laughs) (laughs)
0: They they don't want your money from the... You really can't buy it straight from the app? No. I had to log into the website. Or can you buy it from the shopping app and then jump back to the video app? Yes, but that's dumb. Why do I have to do that? I I mean, I know it's dumb, but it's like super dumb.
1: Well, I'm so happy that I chose to make Amazon my paid movie purveyor of choice. (laughs) It's worked out
0: so well. By the way, uh, another addendum to uh, watching movies online is if you have a Movies Anywhere account, yeah. it will mm-hmm. consolidate all the movies you've purchased either through iTunes or um, all the other standard ways you can buy movies, and you can get them all through that one simple interface, which is actually pretty cool. I did Does that. It have the a other player? B- yeah, you can just oh. you just light it up right from there. I definitely have an account. Movies Anywhere. Anyway. Cool. But which brings me to the. The our logical next step in this conversation is are people going to the movies anymore? I think that I was looking at some numbers in terms of you know, what people are doing online in Bird Box which, whatever <laughs> we may have spoken about Bird Box before, but the numbers on Bird Box are staggering like the number of people who have watched that stupid movie is it's like more than any other movie that's been shown in the theaters this year if that wasn't Marvel
1: it got super memed right off the bat And that's basically why I was willing to watch it because like people were putting the images online like the next day And I was like what the hell's going on so then when my wife was like hey, do you want to watch this? I was like,
0: I mean, no, but yeah, let's do it <laughs> Let's throw this on it's got name recognition, but really I think it speaks to the fact that people aren't going to the movies anymore Now I have this thing with my kids. My kids don't understand when we had eight channels on TV Right. And they don't understand that I had to ride in a station wagon instead of the awesome minivan They get to drive right around in with the captain seats and the They don't understand what a cross-country trip in a stupid station wagon was like it was they meet They mean they wouldn't make predators from Gitmo ride in that station wagon <laughs> I mean, it's cruel and unusual But the same thing now with movies when I take my kids to the movies now they get the reclining seat, right? They get all this room, right? You know, you get there one minute before the movie starts because you have a reserved seat. Yeah, Man, they don't. They never, they'll never understand. But no. That's, uh, but 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 still, I think the movie people have to start again doing those kind of things. I think they have to lure people to come in.
1: Well, I think that yeah, I, I that's definitely true for me. Like, I'm I'm not trying to go to any movie that doesn't have reserve seating ever. <laughs> like, I don't. You know, I, again we. I hate to go down the rabbit hole of parenting, but when you have kids, your life changes. And I think movies have become more of a family oriented activity. It's, it's it either, you know, it's kind of, well, I don't know. Or maybe it's just this whole culture of pay a little more and get a better experience. I think it's a combination of those two things. Um, I know that I don't go to the movies cause it's expensive for the most part. It's like, I'm already paying whatever for cable movies and, and, and streaming. We've talked about this, I'd rather take full advantage of that, and it's the metaphor I always use for this: is it's like buying a boat. Like if you buy a boat, especially if you live where we live, where it's not very nice out uh, on a regular basis, that's what you're doing. Like on the weekend, if it's sunny in the summer, yeah. you're both people a, now.
0: It's that's a your lifestyle. Life. It's yeah. a lifestyle choice. You, if you buy a boat, it's a lifestyle.
1: Yeah, Are you saying that movie
0: movie going is a lifestyle choice. Well, it's it's be, becoming like, you have to like it's
1: it's expensive. So I think that if you want to go and have it be worth your money these clubs they offer now that you pay a subscription fee and you can go to like three movies a week. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's really probably the future of most movie going. And then only the big tent stuff's going to like pull people in or really big star stuff. But again, like now that you're putting Sandy Bullock first run movies on Netflix, I don't know that that matters anymore.
0: Yeah. It's gotta be tent pole stuff. I know that I have a sliding scale of, I mean, let's be honest. Green book is probably a good film, but the hell I'm going to the movie theater to watch it. Like oh. there's no zero percent chance. No. Like I don't care, and um, it seems that way with even with like we don't. My wife and I, when we go on dates, we're not going to the movies. Generally, not. We, we'd rather just go to a restaurant and then just hang out there. But I still will go with the kids. And again, I think I'm I'm heavily considering the How to Train a Dragon three. Since we've seen the first two in theater, so I feel like we're gonna round (laughs) this out. You gotta complete the trilogy, right? You're gonna complete the trilogy this weekend, so I feel like that's probably gonna happen. But yeah, you've gotta you've gotta sell me on explosions and whatnot before I before I go to the movie theater. It's just not I'm not gonna go to see a talkie,
1: right? If it's a talking movie, like any Oscar nom, it's like I'm not going to the theater for that. No but, chance. No, um, but I know my kids are a little young, but I finally just couldn't take it anymore and drug everybody to the movie theater to see Spider Verse, and they were fine. Yeah, they liked
0: it. Yeah, it held it. They held their attention.
1: Oh yeah, actually I was shocked, and yeah. it, I, I actually it made me notice that there really wasn't a lot of exposition. There was only one scene of that, um, and they got through it. Not even any bathroom breaks. It was amazing.
0: Wow, that is good. That's a good film too. So yeah, glad Very you took entertaining. them. Got to get them, got to get this the superhero uh, vibe going for them. Well, and then we took them to the bounce houses afterwards. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Oh, it was great. What? I was like, movie, superhero movie in a bounce house? That's like, I'd do that myself. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, I,
1: raising my kids terribly, they, they have no appreciation for anything. And uh, I just continue to spoil them because I don't know what else to do because I just need them to shit up for a little while. And so, hey, let's go to the movies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump into The Hawk here. Let's Hudson Hawk. All right, so Hudson Hawk is a movie that I saw in the theater. I likely saw it more than once in the theater. 1991 is a huge year for Bruce. Bruce Willis was in four films in 1991. Yes. Four movies. In fact, he was in three movies in 1990. He was in four movies in 1991. And then he was in another eight movies until 1995. (laughs) Are you kidding me? I'm not shocked. I mean, I love Bruce Willis in this this era Bruce Willis, but this is a lot of work. He was in, uh, that must be every movie <laughs> from this 1990 was, to
1: 1995. I, I feel like from 1980. And I mean, this happens to every once in a while to leading men, right? They just explode. Like, the guys will have two years where they're just in every friggin' movie, even if they're terrible, right? Like, uh, what's his face? Um the guy in Avatar, what is his name?
0: Uh, Worthington.
1: Thank you. Sam Worthington. He was in like, what, eight movies in two years? And he can't <laughs> act at all. He's like a, <laughs> a
0: so, wood, piece of wood. So what's funny is I stopped in 1995, but Bruce Willis's career does not stop there. It is his IMDb page is crazy. He just makes movies. He never stops. He doesn't stop. He just makes whatever. I think if they call you up and he's like, Bruce, we've got a check. If you've got three weeks, can we make a movie? Are like, you yeah, sure? Well, so this is our first
1: segment, right? Things that work about the movie. And I think that Bruce Willis is a big thing that works about the movie. Bruce,
0: is this the last of the Bruce Willis actually has hair? When does the, the movies, <laughs> I mean, like, so Bruce Willis, <laughs> Bruce Willis has actual hair and then he wears a hairpiece for a while. Like, cause we didn't know Bruce Willis was bald <laughs> and then we decide then at some point he just decides, fuck it. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to be bald. I think 12 monkeys in 1995, I think is where he decided, all right, I'm just bald. So well, I'll just I'll... be bald for this movie and it'll be fine. And no one will be shocked by it.
1: <laughs> I'll tell you what, Bruce's haircut is on my list of things that work about the movie. <laughs> It's like a, like a proto Wolverine with like a widow's peak and like, but it's super, like a super fade. It's like a a mohawk. It's a mohawk. It's not a mohawk. No, it's not. It's 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 like a a mohawk. No, it's a balding white guy. High top fade.
0: It's he and sting have the same hair, except sting managed to keep his hair to this very day, which we don't know why, how we don't know how that happened. It's all the uh, tantric
1: sex. <laughs>
0: it's all the yoga. His
1: head's holding on real tight to those hands, right?
0: Right. I don't know how that works, but it does. But it, it is more of a mohawk than it is anything, really. I,
1: what are you talking about? A mohawk is shaved on the sides. This is not shaved on the side. It's just a widow's peak <laughs> with like it's like three or four inches of hair teased out straight off his head in a wit- in a widow's peak, right? In like super high top fade where he's got like a, basically down to the zero around the ears. That's it's a grown a out prison haircut <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it, I've ever gotten into the show before, Or gotten into it on the show before But I was a big Bruce Willis Like, I was the biggest Bruce Willis fan Like unequivocally if you'd asked me who my favorite actor was In 1996 I would have said Bruce Willis He was like a guaranteed watch for me For like a solid decade Maybe like 15 years even Until he really entered that Like what you talked about the pay, What I call the paycheck action movie portion of his career uh-huh. I think it starts with like Mercury Rising and then it just, you go see that and you're like, what did I just watch? What happened? What happened here? Yeah. And then it's all just hit and miss. It's very uh, Denzel Washington, latter days. Just sort of like, every once in a while there's a really good one. Like people love the equalizer, right? Sure. But there's, Denzel's made like 20 movies in the last 12 years that are similar in tone and maybe just aren't as good. Right. And so Bruce Willis know. had that same experience. He just was, he, he was hot. And so he just kept taking movies. Yeah, it was the '90s. This is the height of the big star and no media diversity, right? Like, like just if you're famous, you're just famous. You're gonna make every movie,
0: right? It was yeah. Schwarzenegger movies, Bruce Willis movies. Uh, well, it was the it was the Expendables. All the Expendables during their <laughs> heyday, right? Were making these movies, and Bruce just happened to be. And the beauty, the beauty about Bruce is Bruce just shows up. Is Bruce?
1: It's, I think he's playing his um, alter ego from his band in this movie. <laughs> I think he called himself Bruno.
0: <laughs> yeah, playing the harmonica and yeah. doing uh and doing Bruce Willisy bartender things. I was
1: such a Bruce Willis fan, I have one of those CDs. Oh, good lord. <laughs> like I bought one of those Bruce Willis albums. <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't remember what it is. so you're Return the. Return of one. Bruno, yeah, I have the you're copy the, of
0: Return of Bruno. You're the, of the guy. Garage. You're the it's guy. It's out in the garage. I should go get it. <laughs> I think I should stay in the garage, let's be honest. But, you know, he's, he's wandering around with that hat, that pork pie hat on, the earrings. Yeah. And he just being Bruce.
1: Yeah, this might be a whole nine yards prequel, like he becomes a hitman.
0: <laughs> Later on. Yeah. After being the world's most famous cat burglar. Yeah. Maybe
1: uh, Andy McDowell breaks his heart.
0: And then he, uh, he cranks off. Anyway, so let's, let's set up the movie for everybody. Let's. Bruce Willis plays Hudson Hawk who is the world's greatest cat burglar. So, let's be clear. Bruce Willis has been the world's greatest cat burglar. He's also been the world's greatest driller. <laughs> he's been the, <laughs> the world's driller. greatest mob hitman. He's okay. been the world's greatest He's been uh, he was the world's greatest assassin. He was the Jackal, right? He's been the world's greatest a lot of things. World's greatest I, street cop. <laughs> world's greatest street cop from New York stuck in a stuck in a terror building. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Or <laughs> So Bruce Willis is, and he gets out of prison and is thrust into this cockamamie, hilarious cockamamie ski. I mean, it's really, He just, it starts off, it starts off, he gets out of prison and is picked up by his, you know, picked up by his buddy.
1: Yeah. Right off the bat, the, his parole officer is trying to blackmail him into doing a job. Like They're, they're walking out of the prison, and he's like, hey, you need to uh, do this job, or I'm going to send you
0: back to prison. <laughs> I he's that you. good. He's yeah. that good of a cat burglar. Exactly. And then we have, a, a, then we have an, an excellent um, uh, Frank Stallone appearance. You're just going to brush right over Danny Aiello? No. We get to Danny Aiello. But it's, he's it's, well, he, picked up he, by his buddy, Tommy Five Tone.
1: Yeah. A great nickname, <laughs> by the way. But the reason I bring up Danny Aiello is because he's perfectly typecast in this movie. It's another thing on my works list. Um, and also the, the, when he like gets upset uh, and he, he ends his rant with, quote, take it in the ear for a beer, rat bastard. <laughs> that was one of those catchphrase earworms that you and I talked about briefly during our, like, our test show. Remember episode zero is one of okay. our test topics? Uh, don't go back and listen to that one, folks. But, uh, you I should. Just... You really should. <laughs> that really just it's it stuck with me for years i i i was just I was, it's so absurd and it really kind of sets the tone for the rest of the terrible script that we'll talk about more as we go
0: through the for sure but but here's the here's the beautiful part about it if you look at the top if you go to the imdb and you look at the top two four six the six top actors in this movie all of them just play themselves which is the which is the greatest part of this movie like ilo is just Aiello he's always this guy he's always himself
1: I found a New Yorker piece about Hudson Hawk in preparation for our segment and that's one of the things the critic they must have
0: they must have roasted the holy crap no he talks
1: about it being um, misunderstood and like better than most people would think but one of the things he says is that clearly the the director did not have control of the cast because they seem to be doing
0: whatever they want (laughs) (laughs) yeah because it's directed by nobody Uh, it's
1: the guy from uh, Heather's
0: yeah but she I don't know his yeah. name <laughs> yeah, whatever he just he was he was not in control of this group this group was completely completely off the rails but uh hey, yes
1: the tone though is i think at least reasonably consistent it's almost like a, a lightweight comic book movie they sort of set it up they give them superpowers the singing and the there's the a, and then there's the... some
0: sound effects here and there like yeah. some boings and whatnot which yeah, it's... is an odd it's got a similar tone to um, Dick Tracy,
1: which I always felt like a movie was a movie that never knew what it wanted to be. Right. And I kind of like Dick Tracy, too, like just for what it is. It's weird. It's not good. No. But it's, it can be entertaining if you're in the right mood. It, what was with the 90s, by the way, in the caper movie? Because this also reminded me a little bit of like Roger Rabbit for having that kind of slapsticky tone to it.
0: Yeah. I Again, I don't. It was. It's funny. This movie is it's a it's a heist. It's slapsticky. It's. I, well, it's better than da, it's better than the Da Vinci Code, <laughs> so it's basically the Da Vinci Code, except it's better, and and then they sing, yeah. It's it's just it's, which I find that I yeah, find we need to explain that. The, that. Okay, so um, Bruce Willis gets they finally they finally convince him that he needs to do this thing, right? But. Back in the old days, apparently, they didn't have, you know, they made, they invented something since you went in, it's called a watch. Like they hadn't had watches before, but they make up this. And I think this is the most clever part of the film is they make up this, this premise that the way they keep time and synchronize themselves is they sing. Yeah. So what's the best part is all these little, like he knows the, 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 how much the time they have. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, Hawks, one of, like, one
1: of his superpowers is established early on when he first gets out of the prison, is that he knows the, the running time of every song that Tommy Five Tone throws at him.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like we need uh, a minute and a half, we need two minutes to get to the thing, and one minute to blow the lock. Swing it on a star, 302. Right, right. <laughs> and then they sing, and it becomes a musical. And the swing it on a star si- scene is my absolute favorite scene in the whole movie. And it might be one of my top 10 favorite scenes in all of movie It is, it's sweet.
1: Well, overall the singing gag works for me and I wish there was one more scene of them doing it. Like I, I wish he was helping with the other job. Um, cause they only do it at the beginning and then at the end. Right. Um, and it's actually why I sing or sang, I guess, cause I don't do it as much anymore. Uh, Swinging on star to my kids when they were younger. Uh, it's just one of those songs. I probably watched this movie on VHS like 20 times and learned the song from the movie. Um, And I actually, that, that scene you're talking about Where they use the swinging on a star heist There's also, I noticed the product placement in this movie At that particular scene He's got like the shark skateboard And he's holding the logo very prominently across his chest And then he uses like a Sony Walkman to rob the auction house Which it's unclear to me how that works as a safe cracking device <laughs> <It's>,
0: <laughs> Is it just no his knows. mixer for like his mic and his headphones? Yeah, I don't, we don't know <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine, just go with it They're already they're already doing a heist and singing. It's it's fine.
1: Yeah, but they didn't even give each themselves enough time, like with a tape cover to get out on time. It's really bad heist. It goes poorly. (laughs) They climb across between two buildings with a pool rope and a and a life like a life preserver attached to the end of it. Sure,
0: (laughs) why why not?
1: (laughs) You just have it's one of those movies where you just have to buy into the premise, like the idea that it's like. And I think that actually that rope scene. Sort of sets the tone for the. I, I've said that twice already, but gives you that idea that this isn't going to be like real life. These guys are throwing a pool line across these this alley.
0: Yes, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's okay. The um, the uh, the fact that also um, the uh, the bad guys are played by the aforementioned Richard E. Grant. Yes, who has done plenty of great stuff, and he. He's even he's even marked as being in episode nine Star Wars. Nice. So he... look look forward to that. But he's uh he's in uh, he's the uh, he's the manager in Spice World. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's every time he shows up he's great. He's I like him all the time. He was he did a well I watched a few episodes of Girls Once Upon a Time. I don't know why because it used to be on, and uh, and he was this this completely great drug addict guy who was uh he's a he's a great actor and and we like him but he plays a wildly (laughs) over-the-top darwin mayflower and his wife is played by an equally over-the-top sandra Bernhardt. yes does sandra work anymore i don't know what she's up to but
1: i'll tell you that richard e grant is basically playing the joker in this movie and it actually really works for me. He might be the best part of the movie. He needs more scenes. He's he's doing a lot with what he's given. I'll tell you that much. Right. He <laughs> outbid by my own wench.
0: <laughs> That's probably he's, the worst line delivery of the movie. And you I'd, and it's pretty good. It's pretty good. He's just he's on fire the entire movie. Every line out of his mouth is just hilarious.
1: Did you have anything else to get to on what worked? Because I have a couple of quick things I want
0: to mention before we move on. Um. No, that was about it. <laughs> okay.
1: So a couple of specific things that worked for me, uh, early in the film's weird prologue about Leonardo da Vinci, there's a Mona Lisa gag. Um, that cracks me up where she, he's, he goes to look at the model. She's, uh, smiling and, or she goes to smiling, and her teeth are just all haggard. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's really cheap, but
0: it's like a again, sight, cheap sight gag.
1: Yeah. Kind of sets again, sets you up for what you're in for. Um, one of the things that happens when he gets out of prison, he discovers their bar that he owned with Tommy five tone got gentrified. Like it's all fancy when they get there oh, and he's like right. thrown for a loop. Uh, and there's just a part where he's expressing incredulity at this fact. And he's like reindeer goat cheese pizza. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's just that, in that very Bruce Willis way.
1: Yeah. I can't even do it. Like I, I was trying to do it and that was a terrible impression, but it, it actually made me laugh out loud. Cause I forgot it was coming. So that, that I only mention these jokes because some of the jokes, that's actually a big part of the problems with this movie, which we'll get to in a minute. The script is horrific and the jokes are bad. Most of the time, like it's, it's like a, it's a comedy, but the action is better than the comedy. I, but I'm, I get away. I, I digress rather. Um, then later in that restaurant scene, there's one, the, the mobsters get his attention. So you talk about Frank Stallone, they get his attention with very casual gunplay in a crowded restaurant. <laughs> shooting his coffee cup out from his hand when he's about to take a drink of it and right then, uh, we
0: don't know where that bullet that bullet no the, the, the trajectory <laughs> of that bullet is suspect it's head height and it's going he, another six feet he just wants to get a cappuccino
1: it is a running gag throughout the movie yeah.
0: um and in that same
1: scene it ends with uh tommy Tone like very casually smashing a bottle on one of the goombas heads like it's <laughs> <laughs> um and then the last thing or two more things sorry the Ig and Ook joke payoff. So when he first meets Minerva and Darwin's henchmen, uh, he, they look kind of similar, right? They have like sunglasses and a stupid yeah, yeah, haircut. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And he says, what do they call you, Ig and Ook? And they just kind of look at each other. But then later when Minerva shoots them both in the forehead, oh, spoiler alert, sorry. <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> For a 30-year-old movie. Yeah, they, when they take the each take a bullet in the head, they go. one goes, Ig, and the other one goes, Ook. <laughs> 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 they die. And the last thing, uh, James Coburn. We didn't mention him yet, and he's fantastic
0: in this movie. Coburn just being like the drippiest version of Coburn, like swag for days.
1: Oh my God. I forgot like how much fun it is to just look at him on screen his craggy face and his like
0: crazy teeth and his his voice. voice.
1: And always like chomping at people because his teeth are so prominent. Oh, yeah. And uh, a fun fact I found out is that he's named George Kaplan, which is the agent, the name of the agent who Cary Grant's character is mistaken for. Or yeah, mistaken for in North by Northwest.
0: Oh, funny, yeah, and uh, and not to mention the CIA agents who are all named after candy bars, which makes me laugh. And David Caruso, David Caruso being, is Kit Kat being Kit Kat, who has no spoken lines. No, he just hands little cards with with words on them. That's a fun <laughs> gimmick,
1: and he also shows up every scene like dressed as one of the people in the scene. Like yep. he's yeah he's he's
0: uh, doing he's a disguise a, all the he's time. He's a master. He's a master of disguise. That Kit Kat.
1: There's a throwaway joke when they first get introduced where uh, uh, Almond Joy complains about being called Chlamydia for a year because oh, their, their codenames were STIs.
0: <laughs> that's really funny. Anyway, the uh, that's a it's again goofy movie. So let's jump into the next part. Problems. Is prob- well, there are plenty of problems, but the biggest problem is always Andy McDowell. Has anyone made a better career without the ability to act than Andy McDowell? Annie McDowell, I mean, Wood never describes her, right? I mean, there, you know, she's, you know, she just, she's a bad actor.
1: Bad. Okay, so I'm not going to disagree with you exactly, but I actually had that in my pre movie notes, like for problems. The first thing I wrote was, I don't understand Annie McDowell's career. (laughs) But after I'd watched the movie, I finished that sentence with, but she's actually really good in this movie. It really works like her weird, like, and then I started thinking about it and like, does like, granted, I don't generally enjoy her work, but when I think about like groundhog day and she's doing sort of the same bit, which is, I don't really understand what's going on, but I'm going to sort of just be funny and wry. And then in this movie, she actually is given some agency, uh, fairly effectively because she's uh, like, She's like a secret agent. Right. But Actually, one of my problems with the movie... She's a secret
0: agent nun.
1: Right. One of my problems with the movie is, you know, I mean, when you have a movie that's a little dated, it, the movie uses sexism as a plot device. Sure. <laughs> that's, that's not great. <laughs> um, there's a gag where Annie McDowell is sort of unexpectedly a doctor, and then she's unexpectedly a nun, and she's obviously attractive, so it's like she's the hot nun. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Hawk interrupts her at work to try to hit on her, which is just... Like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> Although, because she's a nun, she curves him really hard when he, like, tries to... He asks her out and then inappropriately tries to kiss her in the subway tunnel. They're like, in the Vatican! And he, <laughs> what are you doing <laughs>
0: making moves on this woman in the Vatican? Well, that, that's kind of the joke, though, that, that even though she's a nun, Bruce Willis wants to, like, make out with her.
1: It is so, a big part of the gag, yes.
0: Now, Annie McDowell... I always felt like Annie McDowell is very attractive. She pushes a lot of buttons. But she is her career is. I mean, her career starts with she's in Greystoke, the the uh, the uh, the Tarzan, Tarzan movie. movie, and they dub over all of her lines with an <laughs> English actress. <laughs> oh, and a lot of people that would have that would have pretty much sunk everyone else's career. But somehow, somehow, Annie McDowell makes it back from there. Not only makes it back from there, but has a like a twenty-year career in the movies. So like while saying- I don't think she's any good ever <laughs> she's in some really great films and I and I have not I cannot figure it out. I mean, sure she's attractive but okay, but she's not the most attractive. I, I just don't I don't get it, but she's she got great parts all along the way in with great directors and I mean, she's just horrendous in four weddings and a funeral. I mean, that may be the worst acting <laughs> I've seen from a professional actor ever. <laughs> but and yet here she goes. She's she's just working, and she you see her all the time, and and I don't get it. But God bless her, good for her. I I don't begrudge her her career. I just just puzzled by it completely.
1: Maybe she's really easy to work with. I mean, I, I, I see her in the movie, and it's like, maybe she's she's looking at you with that very placid expression, and then when you're done speaking, she smiles. And she does that every time to everyone whenever they're talking to her. <laughs> and so they're like,
0: get that Annie McDowell in here. She's really nice to be around. Yeah, and she's not going to overshadow your male lead. And she's gonna, she's going to be around. And you I, mean, know, I don't
1: know. She's tall. I don't know. When, <laughs> she worked a lot, but like her IMDb known for is Groundhog Day, obviously sex lies and videotape oh, i would say also obviously then four weddings and a funeral once again obviously but her fourth one here is hudson hawk so it can't have been that great a career
0: <laughs> yeah she's she's worked with uh, yeah she's worked with a lot of uh you know she's in lone star sure uh, the, and that and she's in she's in um let's see well she's in muppets from space <laughs> She's know. in like multiplicity. She got she she was just around
1: forever in in a lot of movies. But yeah, again, but I think it she works for me in this movie. I came away buying it. Um like I don't know why. Uh it's not like her acting is bad or good here. She just sort of is a blank slate. She it works as kind of this of course she's reserved and she doesn't have a lot of dy- dynamism because she's a nun and she's got to keep it under control but her <laughs> line delivery and stuff when she's laughing but like she just can't like she the, at one point the, the bishop is sort of pleading with her not to flirt so
0: effectively with so she's naturally bland so we're gonna cast her as reserved <laughs> yeah. we're playing we're playing to her strengths is what you're saying well, I mean, given that you
1: told me she just started her career being Arnold Schwarzenegger in the first movie she was in. That's yeah, so there you go. She you knows she she understood how to work the game. Um, other problems with her well, with her performance is she can't shoot a gun later, even though she's supposed to be like sort of this investigative agent. She doesn't <laughs> not, like, she accidentally shoots Bruce Willis in the world's tiniest belt buckle that would never have stopped a bullet. Yeah, and then it actually I, shoots him in the arm right after that Like she hits him twice trying to help him out
0: Yeah, apparently it's secret agent nun school They don't teach you to fire They don't teach you to shoot a firearm
1: No small arms training in the in the nun
0: spy <laughs> program But, the, uh, but the, the I mean The conceit is cockamamie the, I mean the, the basic premise is The Mayflowers have discovered Like the ability to turn lead into gold Because Da Vinci had figured it out Machina de Oro and so they're stealing they're pulling together all these da vinci artifacts a la the da vinci code to make the uh to make this thing work out it's just it it's hilarious it's uh, the whole speech he gives about like gold is gold right like if we have a bunch of it it's we 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 dominate the world
1: they're gonna crash the economy that's their plan (laughs) Yes. It never really is clear why their holdings won't be affected. That's not really ever established. It's just somehow if they're in control of it, if they can crash the economy, they'll be in
0: char- in charge. Right. We'll just release all this gold and crash the economy. What? I don't know. It's a. <laughs> it's a. It's a. It's something too hard about it. <laughs> it's a crackpot. It's a crackpot world domination scheme. You know, he
1: mentions in his speech there, his when he's monologuing about his plan that. <laughs> He, it's hard to stay motivated when you make your first billion at 19. And considering that actually still sounds pretty impressive, that must have sounded so insane in 1991. Right. Because <laughs> right. now it doesn't seem totally unreasonable, but still would be super impressive, and it still actually works. It doesn't seem like a dated line. Yeah. The, uh, yeah the, I made a billion at 19. So but that's okay. about the only nice thing I can say about the script. Like, a lot of the jokes are inexplicably terrible. Like, we like, talking. they were
0: trying to make them corny. <laughs> like, I think that they went, they, I think that that's part of, that's part of, they wanted to be slightly old timey. And that's, and that's a Bruce Willis thing. I think Bruce Willis has a real um, love for those kind of Bob Hope type, type comedies, like Jerry Lewis, those kinds of things. I think that's what they were trying to go for here. You're giving him credit than, for this? Were, yeah, I think. It, well, I think they wanted to make it old timey, and it and add a modern twist to it, and it just comes off weird. Yeah, like when he's he's. I'll
1: explain more about how this happens later. Where he's getting drugged behind an ambulance in a, on a hospital gurney, and. <laughs> He's. it's basically makes a joke about seeing a sticker on the back of a van. So it's like, "How's my driving?" And the joke is, "How's my driving? One eight hundred. I'm gonna fucking die." That's not even a joke.
0: <laughs>
1: like that's that's just some badass shit to say. It's not even
0: some badass shit to say.
1: The <laughs> lines are inexplicably terrible sometimes. Like it's just the joke. I love how bad. we're
0: selling. I love how we're selling this movie as something you should see. And. Re- I, really there's charm to it it's weird it's like
1: there's lots of good
0: things but then it's just like why is this part so terrible this is what makes it an amazing film this is what the uh the other part that may might scare you is the fact that it's listed as 65 million dollar movie budget and the box office is on wikipedia anyway says seventeen point two million.
1: Oh, it very notoriously <laughs> lost 50 million bucks
0: it was very famous for losing a lot of money but the uh but i think i think 30 years later if you watched it it's a it's a it's an easy watch it goes pretty quick yeah I, very I, especially for an hour 40 i thought it was gonna feel like a drag and it was quick yeah it feels it's short a, it's um i think it's definitely worth watching so even though we've we've kicked it around a little bit Um, the, uh, I think, I think I, we, I give it a strong suggest you see it.
1: If it's available to you, I don't think you should go. So it's four bucks to rent it or whatever. You should probably shouldn't spend that money, (laughs) (laughs) but if it's available to you at some point in the future and you see it, you should prioritize watching it. So if, if a free option does arise, you should definitely take advantage of that. And a couple more things, problems that I wanted to mention one in the first heist the guards before they discover the the robbery the first scene they're in they have three lines and it's a racist joke <laughs> <laughs> he says like there's 300 wongs in the in the yellow pages or whatever or, and obviously not the yellow that's
0: pages, a no. that's a lot of wong numbers oh my
1: god <laughs> and we should have saved that for the dad joke <laughs> No, I don't want to tell that joke in earnest, because even the score gets racist for a minute. It's like, ding, 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 ding. It's like, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, why did you have to do that? It's 1991. I understand that, but, like, why throw in, the, like, the shot at the Asians, like, because just for no it's, reason?
0: Because they thought it was funny. Yeah, that doesn't make uh, <laughs> I guess. And then You laughed. Like, you, were, I, you were, you were, you were. A young person and you laughed at that in joke. 1991. I don't sure know, probably
1: because did. I didn't know any better. I was getting That's told was, you know tooth hurdy jokes and shit.
0: And then there's a part oh, where sorry, sorry, sidebar. Yeah. yeah. When I had to go to the dentist to look at my destroyed tooth. Yes. My my appointment. Two thirty. <laughs> Good job. It did was you on purpose. Was no, on purpose? I didn't. They <laughs> <I> said <laughs> we have two thirty available. I said I'll take it. I hung up the phone. I went. Uh, <laughs> my dentist appointment said two thirty. Oh,
1: that's... I'm sad that you told me that story. <laughs> Last problem, a- another dated... Well, this isn't really dated. This is another true WTF moment in the script. There's a part where the candy bar villains are sitting out in a car. Like, it's they're staking out Willis and uh, Andy McDowell. And Butterfinger, who is a CIA henchman, played by, by way, Latimer t- from the program...
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, played by Latimer. <laughs> <laughs> they're
1: like, you should... They're taking too long or, or whatever. Like, they're having some conversation about it. And then he goes... You want me to rape them? What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Again, that's not a joke. It's played for laughs, but it's not a joke. Well. <laughs> no, I mean, like, laugh. even even if you're play, it's just not a joke. There's no joke construction. Yeah, you just, laughed. Yeah,
0: well. <laughs> <That's> great.
1: <laughs> All right, segment three.
0: Segment we three? Don't have, do we don't have a segment three. Yeah, we're making it better. We're making it better. Oh gosh, well I don't think I want to I don't think I want to Make it better I think that I think you're right though I think it does need a, a third I think it needs a middle Musical number Yeah And I think Andy McDowell should have to sing <laughs> That might work <laughs> Even though I don't think She can sing But I think she should sing I think that uh, They should find a, It would be funny To have them Try to find a song That she knows And then they end up Finding something Funny.
1: Uh, well, yeah, I was thinking like some sort of a Vatican hymnal, like some sort of a the, weird like right. chanting like, yeah, song. Yeah,
0: they they, they they keep throwing out these old, old timey songs like blah, 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 you know, two minutes and 35 seconds, blah, blah, blah. She goes, I don't know anything. The only thing I know for, you know, yeah, Ave Maria. Yeah. And right. then they have to like sing Ave Maria. Yeah. Which, which would be funny. Which, yes. But I think you're right. I think I think it does need another. It's short a musical number um, for sure.
1: I okay. I I agree with that. Uh, I'm actually okay. I think with more uh, with what's most of the more absurd parts of the movie, including Sandra Bernhard, because it's in it's a lot. She's doing a lot.
0: <laughs> she's um, she's turned up to. I mean, there's I mean, cocaine's a hell of a drug, right?
1: <laughs> I guess so. Well, one of the things I want to fix is the the action scene just goes. The action has been fairly straightforward to this point in the movie. It's been a little campy, but not absurdist and the action goes off the rails at the end and takes me out of the movie for a few minutes when uh there's a fight between james coburn and bruce willis and it turns into a three stooges routine for a minute where like uh uh, you know willis is getting bounced around and and basically doing everything but saying yuck 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 (laughs) yuck and it just it, it didn't need to happen that way like why not just i my thought is like why not have um Coburn like a more of an improvised fight feel where like Hawk doesn't really know how to fight so Coburn keeps doing his karate and like Hawk is improvising throwing like you know objects at him and, and yeah you know, like a of-
0: Roger Moore level of karate it's like 007 <laughs> <laughs> like 007 karate chops from yeah
1: well he goes flying off the building like it's like in above the rim trying to do a, a Liu Kang flying kick and he goes <laughs> shooting, off, shooting off the castle wall
0: yeah, a, I, you're right. I mean, I think well, again, they're going for the slapstick thing and that's what makes it sort of uneven, right? Like there are times when they put it in and you're like, "Why
1: are we doing this?" Yeah. But and that's what really takes that that fight very specifically really bothers me because like the section cut bomb gun is pretty stupid, but it works as a plot device. Sure. Like, okay, sure. Why don't these why wouldn't these crazy villains have this stupid technology? Um <laughs> but the action after that after that slapstick Three Stooges fight. It, it comes back to Earth, and it's then played again for laughs, effectively. Like, uh, Minerva gets Viserys targaryen to death by the gold machine. <laughs> yes. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs>
0: spoiler alert. She dies. Uh,
1: yeah. The butler's head gets cut off. He has those two hidden knives, yeah, yeah. right? Uh-huh. And then Willis obviously reverses it on him, so he's, he's got this, his head pinned behind his knives and then knocks him right. over, so he cuts his own head off. Right. It's played for laughs and and effectively, but that one fight really stands out as unnecessarily and unnecessary and bad. Right. And so that takes me to my next point about making it better, which would be that this would have been an awesome Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> <laughs> so it's R it's rated R, right? But it feels like a soft R when you're watching it. The violence is both over the top and understated at the same time.
0: Yeah. Like, is going back to last week, Raiders of the Lost Ark is PG, and then this movie's R.
1: <laughs> but there's a lot of language in this movie, and that's, that Whatever. has a lot to do with it. <laughs> Whatever.
0: That's, I guess it was 1991, but still. That's still the rule. I don't think you can say fuck more than once, or it's an R movie. No, well. Well, that would make this podcast. Yeah, I say um, fuck at least twice a week. <laughs> <laughs> the first ten minutes.
1: But can you imagine, if this was a Tarantino film, and like you just crank the violence up even higher the The script probably would have been way tighter and funnier.
0: Well, I mean, they made that movie, and it's called Kingsman.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm okay with Kingsman, but it's too modern. I want a '90s feel.
0: That's one of the things I liked about this movie. If you get, if you gave Matthew Reeves the, the uh, Hudson Hawk, this if we sent him back in time with a CGI unit and this and this. Premise of this setup Yeah he'd make you a, a crazy awesome movie
1: But that's what I don't want a CGI version I want the Tarantino version I want practical effects <laughs> <laughs> I mean Tarantino right. would have been perfect Like Latter day Tarantino like a late 90's Tarantino making Hudson Hawk would have been Killer I would have really enjoyed that movie
0: Yeah you think he would have given it the proper Amount of wink wink And not, and not uh... Well he uses Bruce Willis three years later To great effect in
1: Pulp Fiction <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true
1: all right, so I have one other uh, big thing to lay on you for making it better. Okay. This isn't really making it better, but I have a theory. So one of the reasons that this movie gets shit on a lot is because it has, like, weird cuts, inexplicable cuts. Like, we'll move from one scene where... So the first scene, the first uh, the Swingin' on Star Heist, at the end of it, they have to jump off the roof onto basically an, a, a street awning. And it's like a four-story drop, right? Four or five-story drop. Okay. And the cut is Willis sort of blowing through a cloud of whatever and landing in an armchair and moving on to a scene where they introduce the butler, the Minerva, the, the, uh, the Mayflower's butler. Uh-huh. And he cracks open the, the horse and, and uh, there's a, the piece of the crystal that runs the machine inside of it. That's all to say that that's inexplicable, right? It just sort of happens. Yeah. Um, and then later on, there's also a transition where uh, there's an explosion in the auction house. And it seems like everybody should have died in it, but they just kind of <laughs> cut to the next scene. Right. It transitions to him being in the ambulance or he's suddenly the ambulance is being driven by the mafia guys. Right. So every time he every time this happens, he gets put back in front of somebody new. So let me take you through it. So he and Eddie jump off that roof and in in, off the roof in the opening heist. Transitions to that scene where they see the first piece of the MacGuffin, basically. Then there's an explosion at the auction house where he transitions to being in the ambulance. And then in the escape from the Codex heist, uh, he's ejected in the bus accident where he transitions immediately to his date with Andy McDowell that he had set up earlier in the day. Right. Right? So, my theory is that he, quote unquote, dies every time. So... I'm going to say he died in prison because that's the first cut. That's when the movie starts. Uh-huh. And then this movie is his redemption test in purgatory. He can't get his cappuccino. The right. hot woman he falls for after he comes out of prison is a nun that he can't sleep with. At the end, he literally escapes in Da Vinci's glider or gets his wings. Uh huh. Then he offers the nun a wholesome game of Nintendo before they start making out. And then they go for a cappuccino. Finally, in the very last scene, Tommy is alive when he clearly couldn't have survived the exploding car that fell off the cliff. Can you fucking believe it? (laughs) Well, his explanation is airbags. Can you fucking believe it? Right. He's like, yes, but it was a a fire. He's like, sprinkler system set up in the back. Can you fucking believe it? (laughs) And then Willis's reaction to that is, yeah, that's probably what happened. And then I would say the nun or the angel. Tells him to drink his coffee, and that's the end of the movie. So and the
0: narrator says, and then there's a narrator. Yeah,
1: I think I, I think you've, I
0: think you've sold me. So
1: he he died in like, prison, and this is his, he had to make it to heaven.
0: Yeah, and this to is how he, and This is how this is his his redemption. So he never. So he dies along the way. He fails along the way here yeah. and there, but they just. They just put it back on the path.
1: Yeah, he can't die. He does the right thing every time and gets rewarded for it, even though...
0: So it's basically Jacob's Ladder is what you're saying, this whole sure. thing. It's... Yeah. <laughs> I'm sold. I like it. I like it. Anyway, we rich- we wish Richard E. Grant the best of luck in his, uh, his quest for the Best Supporting Actor Oscar. And we encourage all of you guys to take some time and watch the Hudson Hawk. Because, uh... I think you'll enjoy it, even if it's just a little peek into our cinematic past. Um, I think you'll, uh, I think you'll like it. And now we're gonna transition to the OT, where it's time to. Now comes the part where we throw our heads back and laugh. Ready? Ready! Dad jokes of the week.
1: Alright, so I'm going to tell you right up front, Chris The dad jokes are good this week What? They're good this week There's oh at least God. three, I would say, legit One, I laughed out loud when I read it So I'm really? excited to share these with you Alright uh, It starts weekly on Valentine's Day uh, The day we released our show
0: I mean, for God's sake, we're six weeks into this year It's like, some, hopefully we get some good jokes
1: I was, I'm saying maybe it'll. This is, a hopefully my, my guess is that this is a, a bright spot and <laughs> That we're not going to be spoiled okay. like this in the future Alright, so this one's bad. What did the orca say to his Valentine? Whale, you be mine. What would you do if a bull charged you?
0: Pay whatever it charged. <laughs> Ask for a receipt mm. is, the, is, the real, is, the, is the better joke here.
1: Okay. More like bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you get when dinosaurs crash their cars? I don't know. Tyrannosaurus rex... Yeah. <laughs> the only thing that flat earthers fear is sphere itself. <laughs> <laughs> Kyrie Irving, we're talking to you, buddy. <laughs> That's on you, pal. <laughs> All right, uh these last two I actually enjoyed. So I like the sphere one. That was I I like that, that one.
0: Yeah, that one's funny. All right. A skunk was
1: arrested for counterfeiting. He apparently passed too many bad scents.
0: That was better than the sphere joke? You didn't think so? No. You don't like that one? No, the sphere joke's better.
1: Past bad sense. I re- actually rewrote that one because it was it needed a little work. <laughs> All right, this one, made me, this one made me laugh out loud. Did you hear about the guy who was fired from the keyboard factory? He wasn't putting in enough shifts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you got? Here's my joke for the week. Um, it's a science, it's, it's a science superhero joke. Science! You'll love it. If the Silver Surfer and Iron Man were to team up, that would make them alloys. (laughs) Yeah. They would. I'm
1: surprised there's actually no comic book that's like the alloyed allies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The alloys. Yeah, exactly. And then then you can spell it in a way that makes them alloy (laughs) e. Fantastic. You love that, yeah. All right, in the OT, we're going to talk a little bit about. Well, our first thing was that I saw on the internet is the the Girl Scouts are selling Momoa cookies. Now, my favorite Girl well, Scout a Girl cookie, Scout a Girl Scout a Girl Scout, but my favorite Girl Scout cookie is the Samoa. Thumbs up. Which might be borderline racist if you're Samoan. It seems odd. If anyone is Samoan who's listening to our show at the moment, I might be as close as we get. To you a Samoan can, listening to the show. You're,
1: you're Samoan passing
0: I'm Samoan adjacent <laughs> <laughs> But the uh, but if there's Samoans out there Tell me if you find the Samoa cookie To be unduly racist against your people But it is by far the most Delicious of the cookies And I also like the uh, peanut butter sandwich ones Which are dosidos.
1: I know this is not what you want to talk about But I want to talk about this for a second <laughs> Okay is it really racist to name a cookie after? I mean, okay. First of all, it was done by white people, so the, the, chances are it's racist. Come on, it
0: has <laughs> coconut in it, so they thought, oh, we'll make it. We'll make it Samoas. I,
1: I, I mean, if you put like, I don't know, what's another? Give me another national food, like tie-in, like something people are known for. Like I, I don't what, know,
0: what, coconut. I mean, coconut. No, not just made... coconut.
1: Just a piece. Of the, I, I'm blanking on a country that's famous for a type of food. Just give me something. I don't know. If like, I made cheese crackers like, and called them France, is that, or, is that racist? <laughs>
0: French fries? I, I don't know.
1: To, I mean, maybe, yes, okay. I understand marginalization matters here. So, yeah, it's probably racist. Let's move on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know if Samoans care. I don't think they do. Let anyway. us know, Samoans, if you're out there. Right. So, an is a genius, an ingenious young lady in selling some uh, overstock of Samoas decided she would take a... Aquaman picture, shirtless picture of Jason Momoa, redo the entire cover of the box, and call them Momoa's, Yes. and and then sell them at the grocery store, and apparently they sold like wildfire. So I've seen
1: some conflicting reports when I looked into this after you sent me this original link. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, and I realize that this is in reaction to something that is awesome, but also illegal. Eh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Not legal, but okay. Right. So first of all, this is genius. This is fantastic. It's, I love everything about it. It looks great. I will 100% post the picture of the Momo. I'm sure people by the time they listen to the show will have seen it. It came out on the internet today. So by tomorrow she'll probably be on the today show.
0: Probably. That was confusing. <laughs> <I> said, <laughs> tomorrow it'll be on today, <laughs> but you've seen it yesterday.
1: But the reason that I read those reports because this is the exact kind of thing that corporations exist to kill. Like, she's mashing together two trademarks in the interest of making money. Sure. And while it's like, it's not a good look, right? If they do, I'm not going to be surprised if Warner sends a letter over there. <laughs> like, hey. Right. I mean, yeah. no, they we're never going to hear it. about it, but there's going to be a letter from lawyers to lawyers. That's going to happen, 100%.
0: Yeah, you can't do the, the Girl Scouts of America next year We're gonna have to send out guidance yeah. saying you cannot alter the box in any way, shape or form upon before selling it. Right. So, and- so while we think it's cute this year, we got a little press out of it. We will have no more of these shenanigans.
1: Yeah. And that was the next point I was going to make, which is from the Girl Scout side today, whenever this happened, there was some Girl Scouts of America Marcom person just losing their mind. Right. because their branding has been co-opted and used outside of the approved style guide. And it's one of these things that, like for anyone who works in the fields of intellectual property, I, they're going to understand why these rules need to exist. But it's also a great example about just what sucks about the world. Because like you said, this is genius. It's the kind of thing that you, you've, you've made something clever. People love it. Um, and those reports I read basically said that, well, she only made 35 of them and they were for personal friends and she was handing them out.
0: No, she wasn't. So yeah, right. She was selling those boxes, exactly. But if you have a Momoa, if you have an original Momoa box, I mean, whatever. That's uh, that's got to be worth something. Put it up on eBay and see if they come for your ass, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'd buy, you know, thirty dollar box of Samoas anyway. I (laughs) must
1: not go. They must. There must not be Girl Scouts at the grocery store I go to because I have not had Girl Scout cookies in a couple of years now.
0: I have not seen any this year, and I'm hoping that. That some cookies cross my path because I will throw down. But all the uh, I'm good
1: for a 20 every year. Yeah,
0: all the uh, all the Girl Scouts in my neighborhood have aged out, so um, I have no I can't get to any currently, but uh, point me in the direction, people on Twitter. I'll uh, I need to if you've got kids out there selling cookies, <laughs> man, I am, yeah, I'm good, I'm good for 20 for sure.
1: I'm a sucker for the youth fundraiser, too. Like, the kids coming by selling, like, bullshit for football. I'm like, yeah, man, here's just, do you have to, I don't even want the thing.
0: Here's just take the 20 bucks. Here's some fridge magnets and some coupons to local businesses. Yeah, 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 fine. I'm I'm here to help you. What do you you mean? Here's 20 bucks. (laughs) Yeah. Beat it. All right. Now, speaking of the local football team, we have a local football team, the Seattle Mist of the Legends Football League, which is basically the Bikini Football League.
1: Yeah, once upon a time I was trying to set up, I think, a bachelor party to go to a Seattle Miss game, but the schedule didn't work out.
0: Yeah, I think, but this video came out, and I stumbled across today, of this coach, and we'll <laughs> post it, this coach yelling at this, this the cornerback for the, uh, for the, God damn it, Megan, <laughs> poor <laughs> Megan, <laughs> Megan is getting ripped. He's like, screaming at her. He is screaming at her like f-bombing her like we've gone over this a million times you know you're you're you have to take the weak side tight i mean he's yelling at this woman (laughs) who's your only responsibility wearing a bikini and a football helmet and shoulder pads and (laughs) shoulder okay shoulder pads (laughs) like he's bill belichick i don't
1: it's he's screaming at her like he's bobby bowden or some shit
0: it is so over the top and She's nodding, like <laughs> she's nodding, like, oh yeah, coach. We went over this in practice, in bikini football practice. We went over this.
1: <laughs> That's got to be weird, right? Because there's probably no chance they're practicing in these bikinis. No. So like,
0: yeah. Why do they have to wear that? Why can't they just
1: wear clothes?
0: Why can't? Why can't? I mean, I don't want to get tackled with wearing a bikini. Like no. these women have to go out there with bare arms, bare midriffs, bare legs, yeah, and get tackled on. AstroTurf? I mean, this is no good. I mean, you could give them some pants. You could give them form-fitting outfits. But the bikini thing is ridiculous. Now, poor Megan gets, on the next cut, (laughs) Megan is, Megan's got fourth and twelve, and Megan lets her receiver get over the top. And the coach loses his goddamn Get her out of there! (laughs) You're fucking done! You're fucking (laughs) done! I don't want to fucking play anymore. And I'm still just flabbergasted by the amount of yelling and screaming and just inappropriate commitment to success that this (laughs) coach has for bikini football.
1: All right. So you sent this to me and (laughs) you titled it screaming at bikini football league cornerbacks. Yes. So I was going into like, okay, that's that seems like a bad thing. So I look at it, and I'm just gonna say, I'm gonna lay out a blanket statement: No coach should like this, act like this, ever. Basically, this should never happen. Right. But it does, and as long as this, if this was an exception, then whatever. If it's all, if he's like this all the time, it's not. It's not so great. But I'm actually like not offended in the sense that I think he should tone it down because they're women. <laughs> And the stakes are lower than what we associate like this kind of behavior with, because it's more like, this looks like a big-time college football kind of thing, right? Where it's just right. this asshole coach screaming at the players. I mean, it's still his job, right? Coaching this team, and <laughs> he's this kind of coach, which, again, I'm not for in general, but you and i and everybody probably listening to this podcast has all worked for some red ass for much lower stakes than this who is <laughs> screaming at you about some box in the warehouse or some now, shit
0: now granted megan is getting fucking toasted <laughs> it is a bad play she is she gets she she misplays the first play completely like misses blown assignment you know receiver all alone and then then the second play she just the the, the receiver just runs past her and there's really not even that much. So, she does get roasted twice. However, this guy is the non-funny version of Tom Hanks in League of the Road. He's just the sweaty, asshole version of the Tom Hanks thing. It's, there's no charm to it at all. Are you sure? He is,
1: he, Are you sure just, it's not almost the exact same thing? Because there's a point where he's like, it's 4th and 12. You think they're going to fucking run? <laughs>
0: See? You're laughing. <laughs> I laughed, but but and and so I went to the Seattle Mist site to look at the roster because I needed to see if Man. Megan was on this roster. Megan is not on this roster. Oh, Megan, Megan got cut. Oh Jesus, did she get cut? Oh my, I'm sure, I'm sure she didn't make the next game after this. <laughs> I'm. But where are you getting bikini league players anyway? Could you afford to cut Megan? I mean, how many? how many women in seattle are lining up to play legend league football i don't
1: yeah. know i really don't i don't understand how, what leads you to something like this and i don't have any judgment for these women i mean if you no, want to play football no. enjoy yourself
0: but yeah but it's in kent which isn't too far from me <laughs> You're i might gonna have, go i might i might you want to go we, we should go like, we can make it, if we can somehow make it a
1: podcast thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think we need to go. I honestly think we need to go to the Legends League. I, I can't think they call them Legends League. It's Bikini League football.
1: Well, we'll try um, to make a game, and, and if we can do it, we'll come back and do a show on it.
0: What are we going to tell our wives? Um, That we're going uh, to Bikini League football?
1: That we're going to just go play golf? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're going to go hit some uh, golf balls, uh, and then... Uh, that's yeah, it. Friday, April beer.
1: 5th at 7 p.m. Oh, that's there in Canada. It? Damn it. Oh, what? Man. It's in Canada? Oh. Well, they they go on the road. <laughs> can we go on the road? Can we travel? There's only two, <laughs> home, there's only two home games left. Uh, May 11th and June 29th.
0: Uh, May All right. We'll circle the calendars uh, for some Seattle mist. We'll see. It we could be mist fits. That's I think, what they call the fans. That's oh what they call God. the fans of the Seattle mist. It's that's, on the website. That's bad. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I feel like we actually might have legitimate golf conflicts on these days. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe. Once All the right. weather gets nice, I don't want to sit in the showwear center and watch bad bikini league football. No. I don't know. I don't know. What would I do? What, how would you react? At, I mean, you're supposed to cheer, I guess.
1: Uh, I'm going to sit there. I'm going to clap when they do well and, and, and not no. much else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Eat not going to draw attention to myself in any way. <laughs> you gotta be kidding megan
0: god damn it megan
1: (laughs) that actually that's the kind of dick thing like that barstool dudes would do but (laughs) yes it would be pretty funny to show up and scream at megan yeah not actually funny the idea of it is funny
0: the idea of it is funny yes anyway
1: all right well that's all i have for tonight that's our show for this week, and our thanks to all of you for listening to 2 on 3 Pod. Please know we appreciate tremendously the time you choose to spend with us. If you don't already, please subscribe and or review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and now Spotify. Oh, well, I guess it's been Spotify for a while. I haven't updated this text in a bit. <laughs> don't be shy about sharing your thoughts and suggestions for the show. We'll be back next week with more shenanigans, and until then,
0: peace!